1: Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are my two fantastic co-hosts, Liz Harper, the EIC of the site, and Joe Perez, who does lore and lots of other things for us, like recording these things so that you guys get to hear them. Um, So, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Um, Again, for top stories, I think we're going to go straight to the Mage Tower and legion time walking uh liz do you want to talk about that
0: uh which part of it i mean first up the legion time walking is going to last for an additional two weeks uh to january 4th which gives us four weeks of mage tower and also they've made a lot of changes since it was released like a lot lot of changes um they have been like They've, they've both readjusted the scenarios and changed things like they've nerfed the healer scenario by making it to where those, um, the casters, the arcane guys that stacked up a debuff, uh, they've made it to where they cast less often, uh, they've reduced the health of the guy in the tank encounter, they've done all sorts of like little, little tweaks. Uh, but another thing they're doing that I find is really interesting... Is they're nerfing a lot of old gear.
2: <laughs> they mm-hmm. are
0: nerfing old trinkets. They are nerfing old enchants and gems and things like weight stones because uh, in Legion time walking, you're scaled down to item level fifty, and uh, that means that you can use old gear and old enchants, and it's really, it's really a, it's really valid. And in fact, using old gear and enchants and gems is the best way to gear for the mage tower. So that's become so much of a problem, the scaling of it and how well old ge- gear scales. Um, like, actually, one of the best ways to gear yourself up to the mage tower is to go and run Siege of Orgrimmar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Be- because you scale back to that item level anyway, and Siege of Orgrimmar gear has a lot of gem slots. Modern gear does not have a lot of gem slots. Um, and lower-level gear, can you can put more enchants on them, enchants that you can't put on modern gear. And yeah. because of scaling, those yeah. are, are effective.
1: A friend of mine did the uh, the Warrior, the Fury Warrior one. Mm-hmm. He put Crusader onto um, of, of Hells- the Hellstream's Decapitator artifact, not artifact, uh, the heirloom that you got for killing Garrosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he went and put uh, Crusader on both of it, and it healed him enough to get him through that fight.
2: Yeah, we had the a, heel
1: from the frock was actually stronger than anything else he could have put up there.
2: My my friend went and got soul capacitor uh in order to go do the mage tower on his bear, so he can get the appearance because soul capacitor was just that much of a a push over the edge uh, as far as trinkets go. Uh it, It's 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 it not unexpected, but it is crazy how some of that kind of I don't want to say snuck through. But I can't believe that that never came up in conversation, like the, the sheer amount of gem slots, gems that are available in chance. Yep.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't school, know that's Old surprised. school trinket
2: procs. I'm not, again, not surprised, but.
1: I'm not surprised that it got through because, I mean, you guys will bo- have both of you say this. Um, I didn't see a ton of testing for this. Did, did either of you? I thought it was up on the PTR for a while. Was it not?
0: I thought it was up on the PTR. Yeah, but I didn't
1: see or hear a lot of people saying yeah i went in this is like this it didn't feel like it it got a ton of testing
0: and the other thing is they buffed it like right before the patch went live so it was harder because Mm -hmm. i guess they didn't think it was hard enough and now they've said okay it's too hard we're looking at it but they're also nerfing all of the things that can make it easier like back in legion you know okay when the mage tower first came out it was really hard it was Tough, but over the course of the expansion, you could start out gearing it. Yeah. But this is scaled. You cannot outgear it unless you go back and collect your Mists of Pandaria gear and gem them with Burning Crusade gems, which are the strongest gems, and it's so weirdly unintuitive. Yeah, and... that
1: that in particular is something that you don't expect to hear. Like, yeah, the Burning Crusade gems are the best gems. Like, that's the second expa- that's the first expansion this game <laughs> ever got. And it's the best gems? Okay.
2: It's that whole but, scaling yeah. thing. It's scaling. Scaling yeah. makes everything weird.
1: I mean, they did some nerfing back in the day with the Time Walking, where you used to be able to go back and get your old sets and use their set bonuses. And they nerfed set bonuses on old gear to this day. Like, if you go look at your old set gear, it, the bonuses just don't work on it anymore. They just straight up got rid of all of them.
2: Yeah, yeah. They they, they either don't work, or if you they're they're there in the tooltip, and you mouse over them, and it says not available, or whatever the case is. But yeah, because again, so, same thing. Their their power level didn't wasn't wasn't uh, what they wanted.
1: <laughs> well, there was like a I remember the Mr. Pandaria Prot Warrior set had a kind of damage shield ability that just you'd never want to get rid of it. Like you'd want to if you could wear two pieces of that set, you'd wear it well into uh warlords because it was just that good
2: Um, yeah well there's the same thing with the resto like there there are several points in time where like resto shaman like if you had a a set bonus you would there i forgot what i think it was after wrath and into like kata or after kata and into Mists, where like you could mix two piece and two piece and you were just like ungodly it was it was weird
1: so is there anything like besides the nerfing of the encounters and the change to, the, to gear and items. Is there anything else
2: for the Mage Tower? I think it's uh, I, sorry, go ahead Liz.
0: I think that's pretty much it about the Mage Tower just we're still seeing balance changes.
2: I I think we're going to see balance changes for a while. I think that even after these two weeks we're probably going to get more adjustments and then when it comes back we might even get more because certain, certain classes just feel wrong. Like I, I ventured in there once on my Resto Shaman. I ain't doing that again for a while. Just throwing that out there.
1: Yeah, um, that was like the other thing. Like the they're also extending everything else. Legion time walking, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. Everything is getting extended. Oh, I did notice so, a
2: bug, by the way, and I, or maybe not a bug. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier in Guild, and it's worth mentioning. So last week, when time walking for Legion went live, you could talk to the Vault Keeper, and they would give you a key uh, for Legion for the Legion uh, M pluses. You can't do that this week if you did it last week, or at least I couldn't. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. I haven't seen anything on it. I haven't seen any comments on it. Um, But just something to note that, like, I could not get another key this week on any of my characters, even if they didn't have an N-plus key for Legion. Not sure why. So, yeah, that's all I got.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else to mention about this. I just think it's interesting and a little... uh, I don't want to say it's bad, it's not bad that they're doing it. I certainly don't think it's bad that they're moving the uh, date back two weeks. I think it should, with, it, with how rocky the launch has been, two weeks feels like it might actually not be enough. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, so I'll shut up now, and you can say if you have an opinion about that. I don't. I think. Go ahead, Liz.
0: Hey, I think it's. I think it's good. I think you need the extra two weeks because it's so challenging. The balance has been really weird. The best gear is from Miss of Pandaria. Like, it's very challenging to get ready for these. And if you were just like, oh, hey, I'm going to go into the Mage Tower. The Mage Tower's live today, and you hadn't been prepping for weeks by running Mists of Pandaria raids and farming Burning Crusade gems, then uh, it was more challenging. So I think it needed the extra two weeks.
2: I agree. What was
1: the, I wanted to ask you, because you sent this email. What um, I can't get WoWhead to open for me today. I don't know what the deal is. But what was the... Uh, change to the Guardian-Druid encounter? like Because that's the um, same encounter as for every tank, right? They don't have a special yes, one Yes,
0: but no, no, it's the same encounter. Um, the Nether Horror was given the ability to cast while moving. I don't know if this was specific to the Guardian version of it, um, but...
1: I'm sure a lot of Guardian-Druids are doing it because they want to get the form. Yeah.
0: Um, like, the thing is, they... Okay, what they did was they made these Nether horrors stop to cast their spell, and they thought that was going to be easier Mm -hmm. by creating more time for druids to react. But it turns out it made it harder, and I don't, I don't understand that. I don't play a guardian druid, but uh, they made this change so they would stop to cast, and that made it. Do either of y'all? Do either of y'all know how that made it particularly bad for guardians?
1: Well. Guardian Druids—they um, were probably doing a lot of kiting. Ah. And If the thing stops, then it'll you can't kite it. Uh, mm-hmm. It stop to cast at you, and it won't start moving again until you outrange it. And I don't think you can outrange those things. I think they they can hit you anywhere in the uh, space a given. But I don't play a Guardian Druid, so I'm not 100 percent on that.
2: I would be looking to Corey or our guild, uh, our guild Druids yeah. to to tell me because I honestly don't.
1: But yeah they reduced they reduced. Uh, um I can't, I can't say his name Cruel, High Lord Cruel. Every time I see the name High Lord Cruel, I'm like what was was like, you know, High Warlord mean not not around this week. What what about, you know, <laughs> uh, Jerk.
2: Jerk is here now.
1: Like, seriously Cruel? Like what? But anyway, yeah, that's that's so yeah, okay. That's I'm I'm still thrown off by that guy's name and it he's been in the game since before the Burning Crusade patch. And and remember the first time he attacked a city, and I was like, "Really, High Lord Cruel? That's his name." So yeah, um, that's got nothing to do with anything. Let's actually go look at the uh, other stories because I feel like we've talked about this one a bit. Um, let's we're going to talk about the Warlock tier set, and uh, oh boy, because this one, I, I think people think that you, if you object to it, that you are like you're being mean to blizzard or something. I'm not sure based on some of the stuff people have said to me about it. And I, I don't really get it. I don't I, do either. One of you want to explain this or do you want me to explain it and then you guys can react. I, I'm, I'm good. Liz.
0: Uh, go for it. You wrote the article.
1: You can... All right. So originally, like I remember being on Twitter the day that this all kind of came out, they, they had done their, their big patch 9.2 preview in November. And for, for the most part, people were super excited about it, and they were very, very excited about the, the, the tier sets returning for uh, patch 9.2, that, that tier sets are going to drop in the uh, Sepulchre the first ones. But people started noticing something, and I, I remember the tweet exchange when, when uh, Talison and Ivetil tweeted, you know, this, this set's real unfortunate. And you know I was looking at it going, um, that, that's a big white pointy hood. And the people at Blizzard, of course, responded to his tweet with, oh, yeah, um, we are going to change that. And so we recently got to see what they changed it to. And what they changed it to was from a big white pointy hood that from the back looks exactly like a clan hood. I'm just going to say it. To a big white pointy hood that from the back looks exactly like a clan hood with a racing stripe on it. And i I've said at the post I understand that sometimes this the changes have to be progressive I understand that there's a lot of work that goes into modeling and it's often very hard to make a substantial change to it because you know it's there's a lot of work that goes into all that and maybe they can't address it the way they might want to I get all that nevertheless what what has been accomplished here is that they've taken a, a, a hood that looks very unfortunately like a clan hood and made it look like a very unfortunate clan hood that goes faster. Cause you know, it's called the go faster stripe. That's what it looks like. And, and I just, I don't feel that it is a sufficient alteration of the hood to make it not look like a clan hood. Uh, and I feel like some people don't really get what that is. Like the clan the are, they're, they're, they're terrorists and, and horrible racists. There's just these are the people who like if if they thought people if they, to this day the, they're still doing this. This isn't like the past. This is still happening. They they will go to people's houses and like burn crosses and threaten them. I think and they, in some cases they've killed people. I mean, I don't feel like people not wanting to see a clan hood on a character set. This is a tier set. This is what your character will be wearing. I feel like it's not that unreasonable to not want it and I'm positive Blizzard didn't intend it. I'm confident this, they no didn't one either. Would no one would want to do that you know they 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 were making this really cool iconic medieval looking white set and it just so happens that so the two looks you know
2: have you ever looked through any of the uh cloth transmog stuff before the not dif- really so I'm the sure difference, there's quite
1: a few that might look that way
2: the difference here is is mainly the color palette and i think that is why people are making the immediate association and i don't i'm not i'm not sitting here trying to say that it's it doesn't look like it or anything like that but there are several cloth hoods that i can remember that look like that but just have little things sticking out of them or a different color palette like the hood of hidden flesh which is a weird horror version but definitely is a pointed cloth hood uh and definitely has that weird masking thing going on Uh, there's been several of them throughout the history um, one of the more recent ones I think was in black rock foundry that I think it was like a yeah. slag bombers hood or something like that.
1: Yeah. So, but the hood of hidden flesh has tentacles coming out of it.
2: I, I understand that, but I'm saying like, so pointed hoods aren't a new thing, but they could have done maybe more to differentiate it. Uh, and maybe they probably should because it is, it is just a stark white hood. Now. I, I mean, if it was any other color, it would still probably be bad. Uh, it just needs something it needs something that differentiates itself, and I'm just saying like the reason I'll be pointing out those other ones is they have done pointed hoods in the past that nobody made that immediate association with, so they could very clearly do it again, and they probably should i
0: I think a lot of the hoods in the past kind of had a they had some kind of drapey hood shape These i aren't... mean even when they had a even when they had a point, and this is a very conical hood
1: yeah i like I was saying to somebody that they could easily have assassins created it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It comes to a very sharp point that from behind it's immediately visually distinctive that Mm -hmm. it looks like this thing. And I'm not, again, I think Liz and I have both said this in the past that it certainly isn't a bad set. Otherwise it just, you know, kind of, it's kind of hard to ignore once you see it. Um, And I can understand why people don't want to see it and
2: they could have done something like make it a little bit more like the crown of benevolence where yeah that's a white hood but it doesn't have the point and it looks more like it lays naturally on the the head or they could do something where it's like the call of destiny uh where it's still a white hood but it doesn't have the point and it has different accoutrements to it um there 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 are definitely options that they could have leaned back on or even used models for to to sort of maybe update or move forward and i think they should is really what it boils down to
1: yeah i'm i don't but i i don't i feel like to me, the big part of this thing is that a lot of people don't really understand. Like th- one of the comments I saw um, that was actually aimed at me directly was that I was looking for something to be offended by. And it's like, I'm not really offended because I don't think they did it on purpose. I'd be offended if they introduced the, you know, if if they called it like the, the clan armor and we're like, you know, in support of the Southern dragon there's, or what have you, but they didn't. It's there, not that. There's no, also, no, a, come on, a, let me, let me get through it. All right. I, I don't, You don't need to be offended by something to just think it's a bad idea. And and that's all I'm saying here. I I think this is a bad idea. That's all. And it's not even an idea at this point. Blizzard knows they need to change it, and they're working on changing it. It's just that I think it's fair to say that the first step to changing it didn't really land. I I don't think the gray stripe on the back of of the hood really does anything to break up the silhouette which causes the association that's that's pretty much just it for me that that's what i'm focused on right
2: i agree and i just think the other part of the problem is i think there's an entire generation of people that don't know who the clan is and so Mm -hmm. like i'm seeing a lot of people react to this like it's not that bad it's not that bad who have no idea and it's because and this is something that i just want to like i'm not saying that it's right or wrong i'm just throwing it out there as a point of perspective is there are some younger folks that have grown up that have never heard of them that don't know what they are because they're not portrayed in pop culture or TV shows in the negative way that they used to be through the seventies and eighties and the nineties there's, no movies that really showcase how bad they are anymore like there was when we had Blazing Saddles or or other things like that, which questionable in its own right. But there are some people that legitimately just have no bloody idea who they are. And so they see a pointed hood and they don't make that immediate association. And I'm not saying that that's why they're saying it. But, I mean, folks, like if if you're one of those people and you don't know, look into it. Find out why people are upset about it and maybe, you know, understand. Don't just immediately assume that people are like, oh, they're just mad at Blizzard. It's not just being mad at Blizzard. It's... This is a bad thing. This looks way too close to something that is very bad. And I, I'm giving you some benefit of the doubt. Some of you may not understand what it is, but do some research, look into it a little bit and educate yourself on why it's bad. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, Liz, I'm trying to let you talk because I saw you talking. Um,
0: the only thing I would point out is that just because we've seen this on the PTR with its racing stripe, which is indeed uh, not quite enough to change its appearance, you know, this could this could still be a first draft of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, you know, maybe they wanted to see, okay, if we add a stripe, does it look any better? And they added it, and they looked at it, and were like, oh, we need to make a second try on that. Uh, so, like, uh, on one hand, it's like, okay, this is not working, and this is kind of not working in a way that is darkly hilarious, because they've just added a racing stripe to this hood. But in another way, you know, maybe maybe they're still working on it. I hope they're still working on it and you know, seeing what they can do to make this look still really cool but less like a uh, a uh, a racist symbol.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think that they're working on it. I don't I don't feel like they thought put a racing stripe on it. We're done, let's go have lunch. I just I do think it's kind of funny that that's what they did even though it's yeah. It's not funny in a hilarious, let's let's all laugh Wait, but it is kind of like, yeah, I, it took me a while to actually notice they'd done anything to it because the original image of it is got banded gray on it just, it's just naturally blended banded gray, like there's I think it's supposed to be shadows or something and then you look at the new version and it's very distinct banded gray and I'm like, I, I had to look at it a couple of times to even notice they'd done anything um, I, I, I do think we've talked about this enough though, so I'm going to move on to something that Liz caught because I had missed it, uh They've announced when Phase 2 for the uh, Season of Mastery in WoW Classic is going live, and it's on the 16th, which is two days from now. So since today is Tuesday, it'll be this Thursday. Um, they will launch Phase 2, which is, uh, I think, what do you call it, small or unimpressive? Which one was it?
0: Small. It was- it's a pretty small content update. Yeah. I mean, uh, comparatively. It's Dire Maul and
1: the K- K- you know Kazakh and Azuragos world bosses, which, I mean... It's only a month. It's literally a month to the day. Uh, it's uh December 16th. The, the season mastery launched on November 16th. So after a month, they're putting in phase two, which is as, as Liz pointed out, a really small patch. We, we did a, a bit of back and forth on possible when the next ones are going to be. I think phase three is going to be in January. And the reason I think phase three is going to be in January is because they've molten core has been cleared already. Uh, Annie has been cleared. All the raid content has been cleared already. Um, which wasn't the hope was that the season of mastery would increase the challenge, and it it did increase the challenge it did make it harder, but not hard enough for it not to be cleared like almost within seconds of it of it being open so it, it my,
0: took a it took a day or two there was a little yeah,
1: time yeah, it took a day or two um it took it basically took people the amount of time it took them to get to sixty and and just power <sighs> through stuff and and that's you know those are people who are trying to do that, so the average player is not in that situation, but I do think that by January, mid-January, we're going to be in a situation where all that stuff has been cleared for a couple of months, and people are going to start being like, when's the next thing? So that's why I think the phase three will be January 16th, but then I think after that, they're going to start going three or even four months between phases because I really think they're not going to drop phase six, which is the last phase, it's next Ramus until November, because they said they wanted it to be a year. So if the, they're still doing that, go, go ahead. Listen.
0: Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that all, all phases other than this one have a raid in them. This is the only phase that does not have a big content piece yeah. like that. Mm-hmm.
1: And and partially they, they the re- the phases got changed because they put all the PV con PVP content in phase one. Originally originally would have been phases three and four, right?
0: I think so. It was a little later.
1: Yeah. So there were some, there was some jiggering. I, I, I think we're going to see phase three in January. That's my thing. Do either of you have a different opinion or any opinion you want to share on it? Nope. I'm good.
0: I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, Blizzard is going to do what they want to do, but I think that's reasonable.
1: Yeah. It really does depend on how long this one lasts too. Um, So trying to make sure I'm not missing any of the other stuff you pointed out. You've got the classic stuff. You already talked about Mage Tower. Oh, Wintervale. Wintervale is also this week. It's also on the 16th, isn't it? Yeah. They're also doing uh, Overwatch's Winter Wonderland is the sixteenth. That's where we're also talk on about the sixteenth. Yeah, a lot of stuff's coming out on the sixteenth. Do they usually do stuff on Thursdays? If I have I missed this?
2: I
0: Six, mean, yeah. Th- yeah. Okay,
2: sorry. Go ahead.
0: Thursdays do feel weird to me, but event releases that aren't tied to patches can they? They don't need to be on Tuesdays. So yeah,
1: I just I'm surprised by all the stuff happening on the sixteenth. But yeah, so we're we're getting Winter Vale in, in Wow on the sixteenth. We're getting it. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Hearthstone or Heroes of the Storm getting Wintervale of any kind, but um, Liz might know better on Hearthstone.
0: Hearthstone does usually get something, but it may be small and they haven't announced it. Uh, Heroes Heroes of the Storm has kind of slowed down on the number of events they do every year. So I have no idea.
1: Yeah. And they might just bring back something if they do. Yeah. Hmm. But we've got Overwatch's Winter Wonderland. Uh, I'm assuming there's new skins. I don't know what they are yet. Cause I literally just heard about this.
0: <laughs> there's a, a diva Santa skin where her mech is all themed. Um, but that's the only one we've seen. We haven't seen, they haven't started doing previews of them. Usually they just tweet these little tiny videos of everyone. And they've only shared the diva skin so far.
1: Okay. All right. So that's pretty much it, except for one thing that I wanted to talk about because it's important to me and to <laughs> practically nobody else, but who cares? Um, Basically, I don't know if you guys pay attention to Assassin's Creed, uh, whether it's you know, the, the franchise as a whole or any specific game, but they recently started working on their Assassin's Creed Infinity project, which is going to be the next big Assassin's Creed. And it's not coming out for like two, three years. It's like 2023 at the earliest. Like That's from, from Ubisoft. They're like, this is not going to be next year. It's not going to be for a while. One of the things they did was they they took uh, Ubisoft Montreal, which is the studio that does most of the Assassin's Creed, the studio that did did, um, Valhalla and did Origins before him, and partnered them with uh, Ubisoft Quebec, which is the studio that did uh, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I think Black Flag. Um, Can't remember if it was Black Flag or Syndicate. It was Syndicate. It was Syndicate they did. Um, That studio is now, they're working together to do the next Assassin's Creed and you know, Odyssey and you know, it was, was one of my favorites. I, I love that game. I've talked about it to the point where people are quite sick of hearing about it, but one of the things they're doing, and I, I do think this is the result of Quebec being involved is they're releasing something called Assassin's Creed crossover stories and it's two DLC, both of them free, both of them relatively sizable. Um, one of them is for Assassin's Creed Valhalla and it, it introduces Cassandra, the protagonist from Assassin's Creed Odyssey and she comes. It basically, if you played the Odyssey DLC Legacy of the First Blade, imagine if instead of some guy you've never heard of who turned out to be an, a, a famous pre-assassin-assassin, if Cassandra was the character who showed up. That's what they're doing here. But in Odyssey, they are releasing a DLC three years after the game came out. And t- you go, like at this point, a year and a half after the game stopped any active development, they are releasing a DLC for it. So it, they've gotten active development again and the dlc here is almost as big as the one for valhalla it's a new island to explore uh it's a new storyline that that basically sets the bridge for what happened to cassandra after the main story of assassin's Creed odyssey it's essentially an end to cassandra's story in odyssey and setting up the status quo that will lead her to be in valhalla which is roughly close to 1200 years later And it's the first time that Ubisoft has ever done anything like this. They did a crossover between Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed this year as well. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed had a crossover. But this is the first time they've crossed over inside the Assassin's Creed franchise, much less creating significant content for the older game that they've replaced. So people can play that and then go play the new game. And that's the thing that gets me is, is this what they're going to be doing with Infinity? Is Infinity going to be constant crossovers? Is, is that where the, the goal is? Because we don't know anything about Infinity except the dreaded words live service game have been mentioned. Uh, I know Joe has feelings about live service games. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Liz, I don't actually know your opinion of live service games.
0: I'm not even sure what the term live service game would mean, except I'm already wary of it.
1: Yeah, it's basically w- when the game is out for a while, and they have a whole bunch of like little microtransactions and stuff like that, instead of just doing DLC and so forth.
2: Pay us hundred bucks and keep paying us every month for new content. Yeah, and that's the only way that you get a complete game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's that's games as service.
0: I mean, isn't that kind of what World of Warcraft is? No, yeah, kind of. No,
2: it, it is, but not in the same way. So, like, you can you can play world of warcraft and have a complete expansion and yes you're getting a whole thing but it's it's mmos are different in in that regard this is like taking a single player game and releasing an incomplete game and then you pay to complete the game as you go so like an mmo multiplayer experience is completely different in in those regards uh it's what gave the idea to single player games to start doing games as services uh and including things like microtransactions and and things like that but it it they're similar but different. It's it's hard to explain, but yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of it because it usually means that somebody's going to try to nickel and dime us.
1: Basically, yeah. Um, one of the things, even some people have even talked about how sometimes the games are released, and in order to really complete them, it's almost like a gotcha game at this point. You you have to spend money to get like a booster for your XP or what have you, because otherwise it just takes too long to do. There's there's a lot of back and forth on it. In the case of this one though, I I do find this fascinating. I do. Whether whatever Infinity is going to be about, we have no idea. But the fact that they're doing such something like this, and this all this DLC is completely free. Like you, you need to pay for the next big Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC, which is called uh, I think it's um, Fall, you know the, the Fate of Ragnarok or something. I can't remember Dawn of Ragnarok. Um, but that's that's an that's a paid expansion. This DLC, which is pretty close to an expansion, it's pretty big. I, I, I've already started playing the uh, Valhalla one. It, it's free. It's just, they just gave it to you. And it's like, that's a lot of content to just hand to people to set up this crossover. And they announced it yesterday and it went live today. How often does somebody announce something the day before it comes out? That is not common in, in the gaming industry. Usually they they, they would have announced this weeks ago to get people hyped. Instead. They just like, Oh yeah. And we're, tomorrow we're doing this. That Valhalla is very bizarre as a game in terms of its life cycle. And it is something I'm, I don't know, when I watch this happen, I have no idea where they're going with this. It is, it is, it is an interesting thing to see Valhalla constantly trying to come up with new stuff for people to do and the ways they're doing it. And and I am, I'm straight up blindsided by this. I had no idea this was going to happen. So... I wanted to mention it. I think it's important. Uh, And of course, you know, Cassandra's back and I, I will take any excuse to say that Melisanti Mahood is one of the greatest voice actors of our time. Uh, And, and the scene where Eivor and Cassandra meet is just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's amazingly, but that's probably enough for stories. I think, unless you guys have anything else you think we should be talking about. Mm, I'm good. Liz.
0: No, I think we got it.
1: All right. Then we will move on to questions Uh, as is usually the case uh, for the podcast. If you have a question for the show, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line "Podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Or you can go to our Discord server to the uh, Q, uh, it was in a Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, and you can leave questions for you know us or for any of the other podcasts. Just you know, let us know which podcast it's for, um, and please do actually ask the occasional question for Blizzard Watch because, quite frankly, we don't get a lot of them, and it does make putting this email together pretty hard. I think sometimes people think if it's not for lore watch, it should be for the queue. And I mean, I will steal queue questions. I'm not above it. I'll steal questions from anything, but it would be nice if occasionally y'all just asked us a question. So I could not feel like I'm ruining anybody else's day. Um, but yeah, we've got a fair amount of them here. Uh, okay. We've done dice rolls in the past. We've before done we, we before flips. we do that though. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. You are we, completely we, right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Liz, You would wanted to do something about the patron uh, the patron pledge drive we did last week.
0: Uh, yes, we did spend a couple weeks doing a pledge drive to get uh, some new supporters, and we got a bunch of y'all. I am so so grateful to everyone who pledged their support for the site. We are up to eight hundred and twenty four patrons and four thousand four hundred forty six dollars a month which is still a bit below the goal that we would like to hit for standard site operations, but it is great. And it's, we really appreciate your support, especially with the holidays coming up. I know it can be hard. We just appreciate that. It helps keep the site going. It helps keep these podcasts going and lets us do what we do. so thank you, we appreciate you for being here, reading, listening, whether you can support us or not, but your support really helps. It is what allows this site, this podcast, to exist. And um, I have a list of names for everyone who jumped on board this past month. Who, does anyone other than me want to read them? Joe, did you want to do your announcer voice?
2: Sure, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh- <laughs> So we got a list of we're going to start with our first new supporters. Uh, We got Hulk, Mike O, KG, Incalescent Productions, Bruno C, Andrew M, Zed, Winterwolf, John, Daryl H, Raleigh W, Andrew C, Kit B, Coral, Mark L., Diana, Captain Cakewalk, Verdigree, welcome back, friend. Uh Ken C, Benjamin L, Aramis, Rick B, Mark S. Culliver, Nancy, GP, Suggle Kitten, welcome back. Christina C, Arvid O, MLB, James D, Senpai, and Bam Bam. Ness, Megan, Kathy C, Brent J. Joey H, Alan, and Manny T. Now we did also get a Hold so, on, hold on, hold on.
1: Before you continue. I want everyone to point out how nice it is that the Hulk is supporting us.
2: It is very nice that the Hulk is supporting us.
1: I mean, you know, you don't get the Hulk for every possible Patreon, but here we go. We got the Hulk. (laughs) I I think that's important. Okay, continue.
2: I was going to say, we did also get a list of people who increased their pledges, and I can go ahead and read those unless somebody else wants to.
1: Uh, No, you go.
2: Okay. Uh for those that increase their pledges, thank you. We understand that, you know, again, holidays and, and everything and it being tight, but thank you very, very much. Uh and our increased pledge supporters are Scott S, Joe G, Matt F, Sumaksu, Andrew F, Gary L. Raven and EJ, which are from the uh, Girls Gone Wild podcast. Thank you very much for so helping support us there. Jeff B., Adam H., Jeffrey, Lottie H., Barbara L., Cameron H., Anthony S., Calchis, uh, Josh M., Nathan, Marcus L., Stormy Steph, Shia uh, Ability, Stephen B., Catherine K., Chris P., and Nevertheless. So thank you very much, everybody. We do appreciate it. Your support does actually mean that we can keep doing this. And uh, that makes me happy. And I hope it makes you a little bit happy. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, we are so, so grateful for your support. And uh, I promise you, we are going to stop bothering you about this, at least for a while.
2: Every every single podcast, (laughs) I still call it out. It's going to keep happening, folks. Got to keep the lights on.
0: (laughs) Bothering you a little less.
1: Well, I mean... I just want you guys to, you know, be happy that I decided to not read any of the names because the only na- the only two voices I got going are incredibly squeaky voice and mysterious <laughs> accent that ranges between Scottish, Russian, and gibberish.
2: And coal miner, don't and, forget coal miner.
1: No, I don't feel like the coal miner one is significantly different from gibberish, uh, um, quite frankly. But yeah, so so you should be thankful that Joe read them because either either Joe or Liz would have done a much better job than I could have hope of doing. But yeah, if you. Now we're going to move on to the questions because, you know, that's the other thing we do for you guys as patrons. We we look at your questions first. So there you go. Um Joe just read a lot. So Liz, do you want to read the first one?
0: Uh sure. This one is from Tetsum. Question for the BW podcast. Walk down memory lane. What moment system story beat in-game made the game feel most alive for you? Mine would be the Mists of Pandaria 5.1 Patch Story. Even though time gated, rep gated, all the hated gate words, it was one moment that I felt I was in a living world. Seeing the progress happened as you advance the story made it feel like you were impacting the game world. I don't know why, but Garrison Advancement, even though it too had a noticeable change on the world, didn't have the same impact. Perhaps because it was disconnected from the main story. Uh, So, you two. What do you think, what kind of moment or story beat kind of made the game feel alive? Makes the game feel alive?
1: Uh, Mine's a quiet thing. I remember the first time I was going from Menethil Harbor in the wetlands up to Arathi. There's a bridge that the Dark Iron Dwarves were trying to blow up. This is back in vanilla.
2: Mm -hmm. And... Vandal Span.
1: I fell off the bridge and had to run down and get my body because I was like just... I mean, it was... I was like... My first level thirty character, I was terrible. I fell off the bridge, had to run back and get my body. While I was down there, I explored the area a bit. And I found a letter. Uh, the letter was to a guy named Sully Blue and I brought it back to I think it was Stormwind. Actually, it was from either Stormwind or, or, or Dark or uh, Ironforge. I can't remember which. Maybe it was Ironforge, but uh, it was this letter of back from like a soldier writing back home, and it turned out to be inspired by a real life letter written by like uh, Sullivan Blue. I think his name actually was he was a civil war American civil war soldier who was writing back home. And this letter was basically patterned off of it. It was a reference to it. And I just, I didn't know any of that at the time. I just knew that there was this actual letter, this letter from this actual person who died. And I had to get it back to this family. And it was, it had nothing to do with like the, the stuff I was dealing with. It didn't have anything to do with my quests. It didn't, there was no reward for it. It was just this quiet thing of, you know, I can't just like, what am I supposed to do? Just throw this out and keep going. This is this guy's last letter. Um, his family deserves to know. So yeah, I, I just that moment has it stuck with me. I think my number two is the the monument in the Barrens uh, to one of the Coulter brothers, the one that that passed away. Uh, that that one I remember finding that just accidentally the first time I was playing Horde and being like, whoa, what is this? And I had no idea what it was. And you, and you you know you need to. It just was there, and it just felt like wow, that this world is huge and there's stuff in it I don't understand. So those are, those would be what I'd say.
2: For me, it's all about the little things, and they're not big cinematics. They're not uh, huge revelations or things like that. It's very similar to what Matt pointed out, and there's the game has a, a plethora of books and journals and notes and letters that you find, whether it's looting random things, whether it's clicking on things inside of buildings or uh, a drop from a mob. And some of these things are incredibly impactful, and every single expansion has had that. Uh, whether it's the steamy diary sitting inside of uh, the the camp inside of High Mountain or uh, anything else, there there are these moments that make it feel like this world is lived in. Uh, a letter that you find on an undead corpse in the plague Lands that was meant to be delivered to somebody's family, uh... All of those things combined allow it to feel alive, more alive, I think, than just cinematics alone or just expansion events alone. Like Cataclysm arguably made the game feel the most alive because it changed the most as far as everything in the world. But it, to me, it's always been those little things. Anne and I used to, to have conversations back and forth about all the letters and books and stuff that we would keep and we would find and we would shove them in our banks. I have no bank space. And it's all filled with stuff like this. It's not filled with gear. It's not filled with, uh, you know, stuff that I I fell in love with, uh, you know, gear-wise or, or spent. It's all stuff that either A, has an emotional impact or memory on me, like whether it's the Rock Ladar or the, the staff or any of that stuff. But on my Shaman, I don't have anything in there aside from my Dark Shaman Transmog set, which I will never, ever get rid of. It took me too long to get it but it's all little story things. It's all little tiny pieces of garbage that are meant to be vendor trash at some point, but either have something where you right click on them and you can read through them or they have an inscription or they have an item description that informs like little tiny things like here's a ring. Oh, it has the initials of somebody, blah, 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 this, you know, stuff like that. I think those are the most important things that make the game actually feel alive. And I, I think it's the thing that most people ignore the most. What about you, Liz?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. The first thing that really comes to mind, and it's not the only thing, is uh, actually Battle for Azeroth. I thought Battle for Azeroth used a lot of cinematics very beautifully to tell stories that were just very live in the world. And when I think of the storytelling in Battle for Azeroth, what always stands out to me is the Battle for Jazara Lore Raid. Uh Dizaralor is the horde capital in battle for Azeroth, and it is such a beautiful city it's got all of this depth, all of this detail, and it was a really annoying city to play in because you actually had to have a flight path from one side one end to the other, and it was just impossible to navigate, but it felt like a living, breathing city and in the battle for Dazar'alor raid you were fighting your way through this city and there's even a distinct narrative for alliance players and horde players you can there are different encounters you can see the alliance went through first and the horde is following behind in their footsteps and you see half of the uh, like a third of the raid from the horde's perspective and a third of the raid from the alliance's perspective and you kind of get to that middle point and there's this cinematic where um, Rastakan dies and his daughter talanji comes and finds him and it's just such that it's this heart-wrenching uh cinematic where she says goodbye and also wamsandi shows up and there's like a, a deal and it's you know a lot's going on there and it's just so it's such an emotional moment i think that's one of the best cinematics the game has ever made uh and I always think of that one as kind of a real story highlight. But the fact that this raid took you through the city that you're in every day, and it told this really, you know, big story moment throughout. It made it, made it feel like you were playing in the world. When so often you go to a raid instance and it's somewhere far away, it's somewhere strange, you have to take like 27 flight paths to get there. Uh, but this was a raid that was like at home and it it felt really different and really interesting to be to to be playing through this space it felt like it was alive you know um but talking about talking about the little things like you your Joe uh i when you started bringing that up i immediately thought about Ezra and that quest they mm-hmm. added in uh um uh let's see the to- the starting zone um
1: the, the why kid, am yeah. i
0: blanking? mulgore yes there's a uh, Ezra, Ezra Chatterton, who was a, a child who wanted, uh, who did this make a wish thing, and Blizzard added a quest for him. He, and
2: uh Ezra Chatterton, some may know him as E. Phoenix, is what Liz is talking mm-hmm. about too. Um, didn't they also fly him out and like have him do game development for like a day too?
0: Yeah, like, I think they flew him voice. out to of the office. Yeah, yeah. And, and so
2: they and his crossbow they too. The, that season, the season two crossbow, he designed that. Sorry, go ahead, please. They it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, they added a little quest for him in Mulgore where he's lost his dog and you have to go find his dog. And he is actually the one voicing the character. And it's just, it's such a tiny thing. And, but it's, it's like if you know why it's there, it's, it's just such a, it's such a moment that makes WoW feel not just as a world in itself, but anchored in our world, which I think is something you, don't feel a lot when you're playing the
2: game. Interesting thing, too. They also changed, uh, I, I want to say, the Elder's name during the Lunar Festival in Thunder Bluff. They it did. It, it's, it now, did. It's, now it's now Ezra Weedhoof, yeah, in honor yeah. of him. Those are some very big moments. Uh, the game is is full of little tiny things like that. There's tons of tributes and and wonderful little storytelling bits throughout it. Uh, we could spend an entire episode talking about them if we wanted well, to.
1: There is one more that I have to make.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. The night I got my shoulders,
1: <laughs> to tear you up, yeah, it should. You should be crying. <laughs> no, seriously, that the night I, I mean, the night that I got my shoulders, it actually did because my guild. I didn't know my shoulders were on the auction house. I should, I should say, when I say my shoulders, I mean there's a pair of shoulders in World of Warcraft named Rossi's Rosin so Shoulders, and I have them, but I didn't get them through killing the boss that dropped them because he wouldn't drop them. Like I, I would I would go on every character I had that was high enough level to feel him, and I would grind up coins to roll again because I knew they wasn't going to drop when I killed him. And I killed him over and over and over again and rolled coins over and over and over again, and never, the shoulders never dropped. They just wouldn't drop. Um, it became a running gag uh, to the point where Wowhead, there was a tally in the Wowhead comments of people going, has Rossi gotten his shoulders yet? No, he hasn't gotten his shoulders yet. <laughs> every time I would make a reference to it I'm on our site, then we would update the Wowhead comments with it. <laughs> so I was just hanging out in, in uh, in Boralus. I don't even remember what I was doing. And one of my guild mates was like, have you been to the the auction house, the, 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 the black market auction house? I was like, no, why, why would I go there? And they're like, your shoulders are up. And I was like, well, I don't have that much gold anyway, so it's not that big a deal. And, and she was like, no, you are getting your shoulders. And before I knew what was happening, my guild was just, th- they were like all showing up and thrusting money at me. Like just, you know, here, And when I bid all that money and then so at the last minute, somebody came along and started outbidding me and I went through all the money they had. They busted out like something like over a million gold from their various characters. And most of it coming from my friend, Kim and they, they made sure I got the shoulders. They like, they put it on me and say, if you need more, just, just tell me and I'll, I'll open a trade with you immediately and just throw more at you. And so I got my shoulders and it was because my guild came together and I, 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 I've heard people say this before. I'm positive Liz said it today in a comment on our work thing. It is the people you play the game with that really ultimately makes the game what it is. And those people are, they're real people. And that's why the game can feel so real to you. It, why it can feel alive because actual honest to God people are like, you know, you're going to get your shoulders today. And they'll make you get your shoulders. Or they're like, you know, you're going to get your achievements. You're going to get your mount because we're going to gonna pull you through even if you can't do that achievement. We're going to make sure you do do it. And those moments definitely make the game feel alive to me. But also, I'm wearing that shoulder transmog right now. Like, that's that's the shoulder named after me. I've got it on the character that that I'm streaming on. So if you're watching the stream, that's the shoulder that I have because my guildmates got it for me. So, yeah, that, that's one
2: I wanted to mention.
1: Okay. But I think we've covered this. And, uh, that was Liz, right? Was that Liz's or did Joe read that line?
2: No, that was Liz. I can. Okay.
1: Then, then you're up, dude. Uh,
2: the next one is from Steve of the Steve Reno's, uh, got, a, another general game question for you. What are your top three favorite stories in games? Like the games that told the best stories, not the stories about those games. Uh, I'll start with Liz. You've, what games have you played that you felt had the best stories?
0: Like the game as a whole, or are we talking about a story moment in a game?
2: I think we can go with either.
0: Um, You know, I mean, I like the games that make you actually, like, feel something. Like, if it can provoke an emotional response, whether you laugh or you cry or you're just like, I'm going to throw the controller at the screen because this is super upsetting. Like, those are the moments you want to. You want something that's not... Like it doesn't, it actually touches you in some way enough to provoke that emotional response. um I, of course, am a big lover of the Mass Effect games. I harp on these, but, uh, and it's not, you know, necessarily the overarching story, which people have criticized and can be a real downer when you have played, you know, like 150 hours of a trilogy and then your only thing to do in the end is like destroy everything in a variety of different ways. Um, but it's always the little, the little stories. Like there are lots of little character reactions that are so either touching or they break your heart. And uh, there's Mass Effect Citadel DLC and Mass Effect Three, which is just a hilarious story where you're chasing down your own clone, and it's like it's ridiculous in all the best ways. Um, so I obviously that was the obvious answer. Um, let me give you another one. Firewatch. Have either of you two played Firewatch?
2: Yep, one of my favorites. And uh, shout out to Sissy Jones who uh, voiced Delilah in that. Who also I got to run Shadowrun for. Amazing voice actress. Uh, I haven't. Uh, I haven't played it. Sorry.
0: It, I mean, it's it's a short, narratively driven story, and mm-hmm. it's just it's it's such a sweet little story. I mean, it just throws you in the deep end. You're the you're playing this guy who has had this crushing emotional thing happen and he is dealing with it by literally running away to the woods and becoming like is it actually called yeah yeah park ranger and you know watching out for forest fires and living miles away from anyone and it's it tells a lot of story and it has a lot of emotion and suspense without actually doing anything it's so beautifully put together and I believe it is coming out to Xbox Game Pass for anyone who has Game Pass on your Xbox or your PC. It is it, well worth a couple yeah. of hours of time.
2: Well worth playing. Well worth playing. It is. It is very well done. All right. Uh, I'm.
0: I, I'm gonna yeah, let I'm, someone else talk about something that's not Mass Effect.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, Matt. Do you want to go?
1: Oh. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, one of them, and I remember this one to this day. Uh, the first time I played Planescape Torment. Uh, it is it is an interesting game. It, it is in some ways very much a product of its time. And I don't think I would like it as much if I played it today. But at the time, that whole concept, the whole the the message of the game basically being based around that question of what can change the nature of a man. Uh, and, and the exploration of that idea was, I didn't know video games could do that. I didn't know a video game could be about trying to understand who you are. It, it's sort of like Memento in a way it is similar idea that, you know, this character doesn't remember their life and, and has clues written on their body. And it, it it came out years before memento. So, you know, it wasn't ripping it off. It just happened to have a similar idea. It, it is really hard to describe without ruining the central message of it. Yes. The game is from 1999. So yeah, spoiler things are out, but I would have rather you get to play it. Uh, it's like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the key mystery of the the, the sixth sense, even though the movie's been out for years. I'd still would rather you get to play it or, or watch it. So I'm gonna just say that Planescape Torment had a big effect on me. It's one of those games that stuck with. Me. Um, I played a lot of of story driven, narrative driven games. Uh, one of the moments that affected me the most, and it's kind of along the lines of what Liz was talking about. There's a moment in Dragon Age Two. That I think if you've if you've had this experience in your life, it hits really hard. Um, obviously, I have not had a evil maniac kidnap my mother and try to build somebody out of her. But my mother did die when I was young. Like I was a young adult, my mother died. I woke up and she was dead. And the moment in the game where you find you realize that your mother is dead, like she's going to die, you can't save her. You you just get to say goodbye and then she's gone. It hit me so hard that I had to stop playing the game and go wake up my wife who was trying to sleep. It was three o'clock in the morning. and She had to go to work in the morning. I had to go wake her up and it just collapsed. Like I was just like, just like leaking emotion, uh, weeping, like just really messed up. It successfully, I was not expecting the game to kill my mom. You know, the, the mother character is there for the vast, like the first two thirds of, of, of Dragon Age two. And then she dies and it's really gut wrenching. Um, and I remember like just being like, Oh, I, I I say I don't think it, I can't say it's my favorite in that I enjoyed it, but I still think about it. I still remember it. Um, I couldn't tell you what was going on in Skyrim past, like you know, oh yeah, they wanted to cut my head off, and then dragon showed up. But I will never forget that moment in Dragon Age Two. It just it has stayed with me. And uh, I'm trying to think. The the goal here is like sometimes you're sitting here thinking to yourself, I want to come up with something cool and and interesting, and not just the same stuff I always say. Uh, but there's a reason I like the stuff I always say, you know. Uh, there's a reason I repeat the same games and talk about the same games over and over again. Um, there is actually a moment in Mass Effect that I would bring up, except you know, as Liz said, we should be. I should probably talk about different games in Mass Effect. But
0: uh, I wanna, but I want to know. I want to know.
1: All right. Um, this one, uh, I don't know if it would be a moment that most people really remember too well, but the first expansion for the original Mass Effect. Uh, it's called Bring Down the Sky. And Batarians have seized control of a mining asteroid and are using the, the the rockets that are on the asteroid that would normally guide it to a mining facility to aim it at a planet that has been settled by human colonists. And they're just going to kill everybody. They're going to smash the, uh, the asteroid into the planet and kill everybody. There's not enough time to evacuate the whole thing. Um, and so Shepard goes in to, to save the day. And you can choose through your actions to to kill the the terrorist responsible but if you do that you're probably going to get the uh the there's a, a human hostage that's going to get killed if you do or you can let him go but save the hostage by itself this would just be a minor thing it would just be okay this happened but the fact that in mass effect 3 if you chose to let him go that guy comes back and he he's been committing terrorist acts on the citadel and he's like he he's going to he's threatening to kill you and you're like you can choose to kill him or you can choose to work with him you're like look your people have been destroyed you know and he's he's also he even brings up something you did in mass effect 2 if you played through the dlc and even if you didn't you still did it in the the canon of this the game he even brings up the thing that you did in mass effect 2 that you destroyed a batarian relay and, and wiped out like hundreds of thousands of batarians died because you blew up a relay and that destroyed their colony. And it's this moment where you, the choice is totally in your hands. Do you work with this guy? Do you like convince him? Look what happened to you? It's, it's horrible, but we, you know, we don't have to like each other, but we have a bigger problem. We, we need to work together or you can kill him. And it's just, it is in a lot of ways. I find it like to be the fulfillment of what you always want from a game like that. It's, it brings together all three games, like in this one moment, and you, your actions have led you here. And the, dis, the the fact that this quest even exists is due down to a choice you made in the first game, in the DLC for the first game. And I've never forgotten it. It's just really, really tightly put together, in my opinion.
2: That's uh, some very good choices there. Um, we're running out of time, so I'm just going to give mine real quick, uh, and then we can kind of close out from there if you guys want. Um, but for those of you that don't know, I I did a podcast before any of ours here, and also during. That was entirely about story-driven video games, Uh, so I could probably go on for a few hours about some of my favorites, but I'm not going to because I've already done that. Uh, The ones that stick out to me as memorable for what they created, uh, Wolf Among Us was probably one of my favorite Telltale games. Uh, it was an interesting way of bringing those, those comic books into a playable uh, format. It had a very interesting story, compelling characters, absolutely loved it. Along the same lines, while it wasn't a telltale game, it did something very similar, was Life is Strange. Which, again, was all about story-driven gaming. It was about character development and making choices and impactful choices. And what you did and what you made choice-wise in those games changed what happened. It changed the outcome. It changed the ending. It changed what you experienced as a player and a character. And so it had great replayability and just fantastic moments. Uh, Life is Strange is one of the few times where I remember crying at a video game. Uh, And then... Along the same lines, one that was meant as a walking simulator, and I'm just going to throw this in here real quick, is what remains of Edith Finch. It's on Game Pass right now, and if you haven't played it, it's worthwhile. It tells a story, multiple stories, about a family that is seemingly cursed, but it's presented in such a a memorable way, and it makes you think about, like, are they actually cursed? Is this uh, some form of shared delusion uh, in a house that looks something akin to the Winchester Mansion? Uh, Absolutely fantastic. And the last one that I want to call out, and it is not the best game, it is probably one that is is relatively terrible uh, for a lot of reasons, and it's filled with a ton of tropes, but I absolutely adore it because of what it generated, and that's Alan Wake. Uh, the Descent into Madness, the Twin Peak vibes of it, uh, the fact that it spawned not just one other game but an entire universe, uh, if you've played Control – you can thank Alan Wake for existing for that. Uh, the the universe that that that's there is is the Wake universe. And there's even another game coming out soon where the story continues yet again. Uh, it is one that I think a lot of people forgot about, but still on my radar. And those are just some of my favorites. I, again, I could talk for hours on end <laughs> about story driven games. Uh, but there are just so many out there. If you, you take the time to look and I will, I will say things like the game pass and Liz has brought this up before are great for experiencing some of those things that maybe you missed before. Uh, I plan on going through plague's tale, uh, because I never got to play through it and it's on game pass. so I'm going to download it and play it because I hear the story and it is great. Uh, it's a great opportunity to go through and actually experience some of the stuff that I might've missed, but those are, those are mine quick and dirty on that list. Does anybody else have anything they want to add? uh monkey island was good monkey island was also good liz
0: uh no we've hit a lot of good ones and uh yes i do remember exactly the moment in mass effect you were talking about matt
1: yeah it's Uh. it's just it's just like you're like i mean i want to kill him so bad (laughs) um but i guess that's it for us then uh this has been the blizzard watch podcast um if you've got a question oh no, I do this every week lately,
2: <laughs> Joe. Uh, it's okay, Matt. I don't like the sound of my voice either. Uh, the out the outro here is going to be our standard one, folks. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow are launch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, the better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue. And then that's free site experience. And again, a gigantic thank you to all of the people that showed up during our pledge drive to become new Patreon supporters or to up their current uh, contributions to help us keep going. We do appreciate
1: Thank you guys. It does really help. Um, but as I was saying before I interrupted myself because I had forgotten to let Joe talk, um, this is in the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you've got a question for the show, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Or you can go to the Patreon q and podcast questions channel. And if you're one of our new patrons, you can go there too now. Um, and you can ask a question in there. And we tend to look there first because that's where we find questions. And then, yeah, uh, that's that's it oh no we also have the q questions channel my my bad you can go down there and we can ask questions there if you're not a patron because we want to get questions from non-patrons too it's not just for patrons we just like to give them a leg up because they help us keep the site going but yeah this has been the blizzard watch podcast thank you guys so much for being here with us thank you for supporting us thank you for listening because it's you know why we're here and we'll see you next week